Hey everybody, my name is Kyla and this is Moo. Welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. Today we're going to be talking about a reversion to reality, so how big tech impacts the economy. Tech is going through a series of layoffs right now and they're conducting them in probably the worst way possible. There's little to no communication, there's locked badges, there's broken email access. It's a really horrible way to treat people. And I posted a TikTok about it and I wanted to walk through some of the general responses and the reasoning for these layoffs. So more than 40,000 people have been laid off at this point, which is really devastating for a couple of different reasons. And this piece is not meant to diminish any of that. The goal is really to walk through why it's happening and to think about what it tells us about human behavior. These layoffs are horrible and I, my heart is with anybody who has been impacted or affected by them. So tech bloat is a pretty big reason for why people are pointing to these tech layoffs. So a lot of people say, oh, tech got what's coming for them. They overhired. And it does seem like there's an element of in tech. There's an argument that they overhired during the pandemic and they're now just trimming out some of that fat. Therefore, these layoffs don't matter is the reasoning for a lot of different people. And I don't think that's true, right? Like they do matter. These are people. And when you think about the day in the life TikToks of some of the product managers that were working on the big tech companies, like they were definitely mind boggling. It was a well-known non-secret that a lot of tech employees had an amazing work-life balance. And of course, you know, many did not. Nothing is ever static. But the era of smoothie machines and three catered meals and the sleeping pods and then those all might be over but as no opinion points out in his piece these jobs seemed really safe and secure and they seemed like a good exit strategy at any point and that sort of reliance might not be sustainable for any industry as the economy slows down it will be interesting and i'm kind of excited to see the reallocation of labor and capital to different industries there's also ad sales and apple so a lot of people will say ad sales have collapsed and that's the reason that tech is going through this big downturn some have speculated there's been a big pullback in ad spend because the worries of the economy plunging into recession. There was a really great piece from this guy named Eric on it who wrote about the app tracking transparency recession. And his whole point hinges on AT&T tracking transparency, which is part of Apple's privacy policy, creating recession within the social media advertising economy. So it's not necessarily an advertising slowdown, but a general collapse due to Apple's moves on the digital advertising ecosystem, which is clearly impacting incumbents like Meta and Google. A combination of a potential slowdown in ad sales as companies prepare for the economic downturn and the omnipotent force of Apple. There's also non-zero rates as a reason why the tech recession is happening, so these tech companies can't survive in a world of higher interest rates. So this is also kind of probably true. Big tech and growth-oriented firms are going to be the most rate-sensitive. The Fed, as we all know, has been on its hiking path, and that's popped the tech balloon quite a bit. Tech was the darling of the investment world for a long time. They benefited from the pandemic, and they kept on pounding on that treasure chest of growth. And that isn't sustainable as the Fed, you Know, climbs this new mountain as they uh, hike rates. So higher interest rates are a storm cloud over the growth party. And there are different arguments that, you know, it's not really the case that higher interest rates impact tech companies. But like the base argument is economies slow down, tech get hurt, which is very valid. Future profits just don't look as hot. It becomes harder to justify the tech valuations. And treasuries now have some beautiful yields for way less risk. So the tech party becomes just a little bit less crowded. In terms of artificial intelligence, labor is becoming outsourced and chat GPT is taking over. So there's a lot of noise around chat GPT passing certain tests, which is kind of like, hopefully this thing is passing tests. You know, it has all the knowledge prior to 2021. Certainly hope that you'd be passing tests if you knew everything. It shows the incredible progress happening in the AI space for sure. And there's probably some argument to be made that AI will eat all of us eventually. And I think that there's still a need for human gatekeepers and a lot of what we do with AI. And, you know, perhaps there isn't, but AI is not perfect. Uh, it's a complement to the human experience. It's not a substitute at this point. So in terms of labor being outsourced, OpenAI 
AI. I actually did this with ChatGPT, paying Kenyan workers $2 an hour to look through horrific content. I'm not going to dive into the moral quandary of that because it's outside of the scope of this piece, but depending on the evolution of the price of labor here in the United States, we could see more and more companies choosing to delegate work abroad. There's also planned obsolescence. So that big tech, you know, might want this recession to happen. After a few years, you got to replace your phone. You got to replace your computer. I'm right there. I'm like at max storage all the time because it will start to become unusable. And Sam Rowe asked a really good question. He tweeted out, to what degree are these tech layoffs about staying profitable versus maintaining profit margins and profit growth? And the discussion that followed in the comments about this was about trimming fat and not being able to afford workers. So big tech companies are still very, very profitable. To make stock price go up though, you got to trim some costs. And those costs right now happen to be people. The companies are, you know, fine at the end of the day. It's a form of planned obsolescence because number can't go up forever. There has to be a restart button and some sort of aversion to the mean has to happen eventually. There's also an element of peer pressure that others have pointed out. Elon has showed that you can cut your staff and run the company well. Mm. Everyone is giving into peer pressure and copying each other as Derek Thompson highlights on his podcast, Plain English. As Paul wrote in his tweet, people are going to be paying attention to this and you might look bad if you don't do layoffs, which is like a totally backwards way of looking at the world. The hedgies and the private equity firms will be paying attention to this and we could see more copycat behavior down the road and some sort of wild feedback loop. And what Paul said in his tweet, not a fan of the guy who owns his place, referring to Twitter and Elon Musk, but it's worth pointing out that despite having lost 80% of employees and being down to 550 engineers or so, it is still mostly running. If you think about firms like Thomas Bravo aren't noticing, you don't know your capitalism. The final reason for this piece of what's going on with tech is it's to send a message to the market that the end of this excess era is done. It's it's gone. The Federal Reserve has made it really clear that they want everything to chill out. Big tech has been the absolute party boat of the economy and now it's coming back to shore and that's sending a really big message to the rest of the market. If big tech, the darling of so many investors, has to come back to reality, what does that mean for everybody else? So what's next? One could argue that tech has always existed above, you know, the threshold of what is real. Over the next few years, we could evolve from focusing on bits to refocusing on atoms, which I think would be really good. Not maybe optimizing social media and maybe optimizing for the real world, which is really important as we move farther and further away from the real world. And to make all this weirder, you know, this, these tech layoffs are contrasted against record low employment rate, relatively strong labor market. And now the question is, when will things spread to the rest of the economy? So surely tech and finance can't be layoff island and these weaknesses will have to spread to the rest of the labor force. So we've seen a slowdown in job metrics and it's taking people longer to find work now, but most parts of the economy are still moving and grooving. But as Nick Reese highlights, we could be in a rolling recession, basically where things are terrible in different pockets of the economy, but not terrible enough to be labeled a capital R recession. Even the Fed themselves are like, hmm, we should probably figure this recession stuff out a little bit more. A new paper from Michael Kiley ties it together, uh, ties together both recession signals and business cycle dynamics to really sort through what a recession is because it's clear no one really knows except for the MBER overlords and even then they don't really know either and i've written in the past couple newsletters and have written, talked about in the like, past couple youtubes and podcasts and many of others have highlighted this but we are definitely going into a slowdown that much is very very clear we're sort of in this wait and see period with the fed uh you know what will happen at the next meeting will it be 25 basis points will it be 75 basis points will it be 50 basis points a complete pause and all of that will be really important for how we move forward the economy is a force within itself 
questionable too, which I think we sometimes forget. It's questionable if the Fed's rate hikes have even worked its way through the economy, or if this is just business cycle gravity swinging the pendulum in a different direction. An exercise in empathy. <laughs> All right, so hang with me here, everybody, because I think this is the most important part of the piece. Of course, I'm biased. I feel things super deeply all the time, and I struggle with financial markets quite a bit. And so I just wanted to write this to kind of talk about if you're feeling weird about it too, you don't like seeing tech stocks soar on the idea of layoffs happening. You know, the good thing about all this, if there is a good thing, is that it allows us to evolve. There's a passage from Ursula Le Guin in Tales from the Ursi that says, what stays too long unchanged destroys itself. The forest is forever because it dies and dies and so lives. So it's all similar. You know, the economy is a function of people. People need to change to evolve, so on and so forth. If things become stagnant, they eventually disintegrate into nothingness because they become unrooted. Most things exist within the shadows of another, you know, joy, grief, anger, wonder, love. They're all of these extensions of a root of a choice that we have to end up making. Stagnation is something with no shadows. It's a pool with no ripples. It's an empty abyss. It's a lack of choice. And of course, it gets complicated, right? So stagnation is the closest that we can get to nothingness. It, it contains a sliver of something which allows it to stand between two different extremes. So one example would be music and noise. Music is repetition, rhythm, rhyme, and noise is all of that, but without intention. Stagnation is not trying for either music or noise because it tries for nothing. It's easy to fall into stagnation because music and noise are really scary, terrifying even. Stagnation is safe and easy and simple, but it's not enough because we have to experience the sharpness of pain in order to understand the delight of softness. Within kindness, we find sorrow. Within love, we find grief. Within joy, we find anger. However, there are entire landscapes, entire universes between those things that we can get stuck in between. And life demands that we continue, that we carry forward, <laughs> that we carry each other, and sometimes that we let go of things. Sometimes moving forward requires moving backwards, a grocery bag spilling to the ground as the glass bottle inside cracks. Progress is the only thing that makes sense anymore. It's a terrifying thing, you know, if you drop a glass bottle to watch those glass fragments scatter across the ground, the pain that they could cause, right? Who could step on it? The necessity to clean them up. It requires slowing down an element of vulnerability to overcome any sort of cynicism with the goal to make the world a little bit better. Stagnation demands opposite. It demands numbness and skepticism and half-closed eyes. But the world asks more of us. It asks us kindly, despite the pain, despite the anger, despite the self-inflicted shame that we carry just for being human to hope. We all know that there's no promises, no certainty, but there is possibility. As Victor Frankie said, what is to give light must endure burning. The reason I went on this long philosophical note is because we have an empathy deficit. We have a debt ceiling and an empathy deficit. With the debt ceiling, we think it'll work out because it always does. With our empathy deficit, we think no one will care because it feels like they never do. And of course we feel this way. The tech layoffs are just one example of this is just how it is isms. And to me, that is stagnation. And to be clear, there is an intense amount of struggle for many of our people that ends up in this like unimodal distribution. The gap between the wealthy and the not wealthy continues to grow. The big tech layoffs can sometimes feel removed from reality because so many right now are struggling to make ends meet. We can't ask people to give themselves to the pain of others if they're bogged down by their own. But we struggle with perspective. We struggle with base level care. The younger generation is exceptionally lonely and sad and most interaction takes place behind a screen which removes that sense of humanity. There's a quote, the death of the human empathy is one of the earliest and most telling signs of a culture about to fall into barbarianism. I think that's extreme 
extreme, but just like music and noise exist on a spectrum, so does empathy. Empathy acts us to suspend our egos and live in another's world. Compassion is a complement to that, as we ask how we can help within that world. There's a really beautiful passage from Mary Oliver that talks about teaching the children and giving them attention and how attention is the beginning of devotion. There's another beautiful passage from Barbara Alice Mann that says, Westerners are fond of the saying, life is not fair. Then they end inside triumph, so get used to it. What a cruel sadistic notion to rebel in. What a terrible patriarchal response to a child's budding sense of ethics. Announced in Iroquois, life isn't fair and her response will be, then make it fair. I've written about empathy a lot and kindness before and I do apologize if it ever becomes repetitive, but I just chafe at these ideas that I'm talking about with you all sometimes. Maybe that's a function of me being naive and immature, but I want you to know that some of it doesn't make sense and some of it shouldn't feel right and we shouldn't just accept that at face value. There isn't really anything you can do to placate pain other than say, I will be here for you always and perhaps that'll be enough one day. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks so much for spending time with me. There are some links in the newsletter. Go and check those out. Hope you all are doing okay and I will talk to you very soon.